Welcome, everybody, to Season Ticket Showcase, Episode 5, New England Patriots. You know we got a lot of Patriots fans in our listening group, and we're bringing in a one-time guest, a longtime friend, Tony Frangie, who is a New England Patriots season ticket holder. You might recall that he actually went to the, the final Super Bowl that the Patriots won in the Tom Brady era in Atlanta and actually came on our show, The Filibuster Freestyle, this is now three, four years ago, to describe what that was like to be in the building. Anyway, Tony has continued to be a season ticket holder beyond, obviously, that Super Bowl. And here we are in 2022, and here you go, episode five, the New England Patriots. Here comes the theme song from our guy, Jobber Lowe. And on the other side, Tony Frangi talking about the Pats. Highs and lows, wins and losses, it's been unbelievable. Bringing me joy and bringing me pain. They've taken years off my life. That's the deal we made. You're bringing me joy, you're bringing me pain, yeah, yeah. But every time I give up on them, they pull me back in. All right, joining us, I think it's been like three and a half years since the Pats won the Super Bowl in Atlanta, and Tony came and talked about it. But Tony Frangie's back, season ticket showcase, episode five, New England Patriots. Tony, first of all, how you doing? And how long have you been a season ticket holder for? I, I am doing great, Gab. Great to, great to hear from you. Uh, great to be back on the show. Um, let's see. So I've been a season ticket holder now for probably the last six or seven years. Nice. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I've, I've, been, I've been going to games um, back consistently, though, probably since about 2004, 2005 season um so you know the way the way that i became a season ticket holder was really through a buddy you gotta know a lot of times you gotta know a guy the past season ticket holder wait list is like notoriously long yes um so for me i started going to games getting invited through a through a buddy you know friend of his friend of a friend has four season tickets has had them since Drew Bledsoe got drafted wow 93 right 92 92 93 yeah wow right you know, so he had him with his dad, you know, but four tickets for, you know, 10 games is a lot to manage. And so he's look, always looking for friends to go with him and stuff like that. But my checks cleared and nice. I stuck around. And so we've been we've been splitting the tickets, uh, you know, across the two of us for like the last six, seven years. Phenomenal. And you were saying before we we pressed play on the recording, you were saying you were talking to a buddy who's still on the wait list. What's that? What's that experience like for a guy who doesn't know a guy or hasn't doesn't know a guy well enough to split tickets with. I know. Well, the Pat's success has made this thing like completely ridiculous. Yes. Um, but even then, even the beef, like when we say the Pat's success, I'm not talking about even since like, you know, Tom Brady in 2001, I'm talking go back. Yeah. The Bledsoe stuff really. The Bledsoe years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, last Super Bowl and or the first Super Bowl of that era in 96, probably, yep. right? Yep. So I have a buddy that just moved here from, not just moved here, moved here like 10 years ago from North Carolina, and he and his wife are sports fans, and she was like, oh, man, like, you know, Pats are big. We don't live too far from the stadium. Let's get on the wait list. So in 2015, they put $1,000 down wow. for two seats to be on the season ticket holder wait list. And at the time, they were like, they were told it's about a 10-year wait list. Wow. So now, fast forward, I checked in with them tonight. 
uh, right before we got on the phone, I was like, hey, how, like, how's it going? Where are you guys now? How many years away? And he said, we're still 10 years out. So they've been waiting for seven years and they're still yes. the exact same place they were seven years ago. They're still this, the exact same place. And, you know, part of the, the season ticket holder experience, you know, you come up to Gillette Stadium and, you know, it's an outdoor stadium. Right, you got you got the elements. Everything else is New England. We've been lucky to, to play a lot of playoff football. Go to a lot of late, you know, winter time games. Really cold, all that stuff. So the stadium's been like changing over the years. Yeah, and you know, they, like there's new areas to watch the game, all this stuff. So my my friend was telling me he got, he was at some unrelated industry conference, and uh, Jonathan Kraft, who's I think the president of the Patriots, the son of the the owner Bob Kraft he was just talking about what they're doing with the stadium and their plans. And he was talking about like making it an in-game experience or whatever and going to different parts. So they've actually been removing seats over (laughs) over the last several years. So while my buddy, like you might have, let's say eight people cancel their season tickets, but they like have removed nine seats. Right. So So for every, for every 10 people ahead of on the list, they they get rid of like 20 seats. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Exactly. So he's getting hosed. And I thought, I called him and I was like, oh, it must have been like 50 bucks to put your name on the wait list. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. Thousand bucks. <laughs> let's, let's talk about subgenres of the fan base. So yeah. clearly we're talking 60,000 people in the stadium, a 10-year-plus wait list. So at the end of the day, you're not going to hit every subgenre of every human who likes the Pats or who goes to the games. But who are the Pats fans, who are the Pats supporters that you see at Gillette? Really interesting. So when we talk about the stadium changing also over time, you know, you got to think that there's going to be that that group of fans that's, you know, paying the premium dollars. They want to get inside from the cold. You know, they're going to get, you know, they're going to go to the club section. They're going to that stuff. So there's like, you know, the guys that are out in the parking lot and they're, you know, they're not tailgating. They're going to drive in the backside. They're going to miss some of the traffic. They're going to pay extra for this, this you know, you know sneaky back way in. They're going to pull up to the door five minutes before the game. They're going to walk up inside. They're going to get some hot cocoa and eat a lobster tail. Gosh. Right. So there's like there's like those guys, you know. Then um, then there's my section, which I think is pretty good. So, um, you, you know, I, I was telling you before we're 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 up in the three hundreds. Yep. We got like the coaches cam view. <laughs> all twenty two. You know, we got we can see all twenty two. You can see the play develop. I actually really like it. But, you know, my wife makes fun of me because her nose starts to bleed when she gets up there. <laughs> but it's like, you know, so we got the, you know, the Pats logo is facing us from the visitor side. So it's kind of like sort of the angle you see on TV. Um, I'm around the 40-yard line. Nice. So, so pretty, pretty solid view of the whole thing. I think pretty manageable. Pats are pretty expensive, I think, nationally. So we're looking at about 100 bucks. Um, playoffs, NFL sets the price. I don't know if you knew that. That's Did not know that. Ticket. Did not know that. that no. Yeah. So, so from a season ticket holder perspective, you know, like what it used to be was just a hundred bucks a game, all the way preseason included. You have to buy the preseason, the two preseason games. You got to buy the eight home games, and then you know playoffs come in. Basically, they reduced the price of the preseason, which was terrific. So now it's like fifty bucks. But then they'd say, all right, there's a premium game here. Maybe this game's one hundred fifty. Got it. Well, get, that's regular season because the Pats at the price. The AFC Championship game might be one hundred twenty-five dollars. Really? For yeah. So like, just because again, they're setting the price based on the whole the whole league, like, the whole country. Yeah. Right. So in our section, though, you got like the guys that I noticed. There's the 
it's kind of like the it's the it's the working man section. It's the it's a blue collar section. I think that's that's actually probably defines a lot of Pats fans. Yeah, because we're not downtown Boston. No, it's you know thirty right? miles outside the city. Yeah. So you got people that are coming from really far away. Like my my buddy when he and his dad first got the season tickets. They're coming in from like York, Maine. Wow. So Southern Maine, it's a two hour drive without the traffic. And so these guys are making a real trip of the whole thing. So they're going to come in, they're going to tailgate before, you know, they're going to, you know, enjoy the game. They might try to beat the traffic sometimes if, you know, depending on on what's the, if it's a real blowout, they'll usually step through the end if it's close. However, then I look at the guys next to me and this is like six or eight buddies you know, uh, they've clearly known each other for a long time. They all went in on the tickets together. These guys come and they drink in the parking lot and they're drinking in the stadium and they will always come, you know, if it's a game that they're coming to, which is most the big games, right? They're coming with like five minutes left in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like, there's like your, your diehards long trip and there's like your late arrivers. Um, then I got like, I, we call them the idiots behind us. We got these idiots behind us. Like everything's a complaint. They're always super freaking drunk. Um, they're older, older, uh, older couple. <laughs> they're a couple of friends. Woman is so obnoxious and so drunk and so stupid. And like, you just got to listen to them. The good news is though, is they usually sell their tickets. <laughs> there you go. They're trying to make some money. I like it. Those are like the one timers. Yes. Right, they're coming for their one game a year. Maybe it's their one game ever. Usually, it's a younger, you know, early twenties kind of kind of kid. And man, they are hammered. <laughs> More than once, we've seen folks get so drunk that they'll fall a couple of rows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing like an NFL Sunday, especially for somebody who only goes to one game maybe a year or ever. And yes, and they put them up in the three hundreds, and then. And they're fired up. The interesting thing about the Patriots' run of success is that the answer to what I'm about to ask you is usually the Patriots. But who do <laughs> Patriots fans dislike the most as a fan base outside of New England? The Pats fans, I think, and it's, it's you know, it, to me it wasn't so hard to put my finger on the answer for this, right? Mm-hmm. It's the Jets. Okay, yeah. We, we hate the Jets. We hate Jets fans. And, and you know, if you're if you're like a visiting team and you come in, or visiting fan, I mean, you come in. Pats fans are the type of fans that are going to give you a hard time. Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think Pats fans would finish a fight. Kind of thing. <laughs> like, if you like, if you show up and you're, and you're an opposing team's fan, you can't take a hard time. You can't give somebody a hard. Like, you know, like just good. You yeah. can't give it back. If you're looking, if you're looking to like start something, like Pat, you, like you'll find. If you're looking for trouble, you'll find it. Right? Sure. Sure. Uh, but but I I found mostly like for the most part Pat, Pats fans will give opposing folks like a hard time. Usually it's in good fun. They give it back. It's great. Um, but Jets fans come into New England. They'll come to the stadium and they'll just be so obnoxious, you know. And just historically, there's been a rival. The, the rivalry's not been as as crisp right. over the last ten years or so. With the Jets being so bad. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the thing about the Jets is. The Jets are kind of like the Red Sox used to be the Yankees fans. It's like, why do we even bother pretending this is a rivalry? You can't even get out of your, you can't even get out of your own way. Um, and obviously, the Jets had a couple cups of coffee there with Vinny Testaverde, and then you know with um, Mark Sanchez pre butt fumble, of course. Right, but you got to play them twice a year every year, and they're the nearest team to you that you play every year. 
Exactly. And the fans show up and they're still obnoxious. Right. They didn't so get the memo. For which, so long, they're still obnoxious. Right. Which is kind of like Red Sox fans were back in the 90s. It was like... Fair. Steelers fans, they'll come in, they'll come up with a stupid towel and you're like, dude, you're sitting in the 300s, you're waving a yellow towel. Like you're asking, you're like, you know, just, you're asking to be a target here. Well, and P.S., um, nobody on the team can see you, so you're not firing them up. <laughs> no, dude, t-shirt cannons do not reach our section. Right. We don't, sure. we don't get, we don't get the t-shirt cannon. We don't get the hot dog gun. Put your towel away. Put your towel away. Yeah, cool cool it down. So, like, but here's the thing. You also respect the fact that they're traveling as far as they are. The team's been pretty good for a while. Sure. Right? They've had some continued success. So, like, I was like, ugh, test, but, you know, couldn't hold up to the Jets. Yeah. I, I My answer would have, if I was asking myself the question, would have been the Dolphins. Because I've been to, I think, at least three Patriots games in Miami. And, mm. and – the Pats usually struggle down there, as we all know, mm-hmm. especially yeah. early in the year. And I've had to walk out of there at least two out of the three times for a Patriots loss. And it's not a fun walkout because you hear it the whole time. And then you're just like, okay, but you literally haven't won the Super Bowl since the 1970s. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're like, perfect season, perfect season. And it's like, okay, cool. That was 1972. You weren't alive. Good to know the Dolphins are also vocal when they come to Foxborough. Let me flip it. Is there a fan base that Patriots – Season ticket holders, et cetera, are, you know, either begrudgingly or not begrudgingly respectful of in terms of what they bring to the table? Yeah, I, I think there's probably a couple. I, I feel like, um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of taking it from the lens of when I'm at the game, right, yeah. or, you know, just other other teams that, you know, like me, my friends, other, other Pats fans can appreciate. So, like, I mentioned the Steelers, right? I, I got to say, I sort of begrudgingly respect those guys too yeah. I've seen I've seen the Cowboys though got it at, you know two or three times you know in the last 10 15, oh sorry I guess I'm getting closer to 20 years here I am dating myself but over the last 20 years I've seen the Cowboys in New England you know two three times for got sure it. yeah well it's interesting you, you bring up the teams you brought up because when I was doing the Eagles podcast the Jets were cited as a team that they feel connection with, and the Cowboys obviously are a hated rival. So yeah. it's just funny how it's a flip. You know, it's kind of a flip of yeah. the same thing, but that's because of divisions, right? The Jets are in the Patriots division. The Eagles yep. and the Cowboys are in the same division. You play twice a year, home and away, every year, forever. There's a different level of dislike than, oh, I'll yeah, see you once every sure. four years, maybe at home, maybe away. Who knows? Right. Multiple. Right. And, multiple, and yeah. where the match is kind of kind of there. I, I will say, you know, you mentioned Sanchez in the butt fumble. Um, probably the toughest loss that I can remember as a Pats fan that was not the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, home loss uh, was probably, you know, 2011. That divisional round game, yeah. Divisional round game, Sanchez comes in and beats the Pats. Yep. And it was like freaking horrible. What? Like, that was bad. That was brutal. That was one of the, in yeah. walk out of. That was one of the games where I'm like, wow, they're really never going to win another Super Bowl. And the level at which, That's this, how it this, felt. again, it's probably like in the back of my mind, I'm just like, it's, it's coming up like PTSD. But like, the, in the back of my mind, I'm just seeing how obnoxious these road fans were mm. after that win. I mean, in some ways, look, you came in, big upset, get a win, right? Pats had didn't, been so good for so long, but they haven't really done anything since. So I guess it's not so bad. Right? <laughs> exactly. That was it. That was their high point. That was the high point. That's so, the peak. That's so, the peak. so, which game do you think means the most to fans that wasn't a championship that the Patriots won? 
And that, by the way, AFC championship, championship. So AFC championship would count because Super Bowls. Yeah. I would count Super Bowl as a championship, yep. but. And we'll, yep. and, we'll, and we'll get to a question on that. But So a non-Super Bowl win could be regular season, obviously. could be a playoff win. could be an AFC championship win. Is there one yep, that yep. means the most? Well, the me, tuck rule game. Yeah, I was going to say, let, game, I was gonna yeah. say, let me give you one, which I think is the snowball. Yeah, tuck rule game. Yes, yeah. snowball, tuck rule game, whatever you want to want to call it. I mean, it's it's clearly the tuck rule was enforced appropriately. I just want to clear the air on yeah, that. For the, what the rule uh, was on that day, it was appropriately called. Appropriately called. I mean, hey, you don't like the rule? Change the rules. That's it. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think that's a big one. I mean, for a lot of reasons, right? Like, uh, you f- you struggle through some adversity. The conditions that day were outrageously horrendous. Bad. Yeah. Horrendous conditions. And then, I mean, talk about excite like an exciting finish. So you know, look, one thing is to get the call, the correct call, but the call, right? But then you got to go down and the score. You got to go down and score, and they did. Yeah. And what's interesting about that game, too, is last game ever in the old Sullivan, Foxborough, Schaefer Stadium, all its different names. Wow, yeah. You know, and again, that was a Raiders juggernaut with a Patriots team that was probably a year, quote, too early. Yeah. And that game goes the other way. And did Bledsoe get his job back the next year? Who knows, right? Yeah. And every yeah. and the rest is the, is history, as they say. So, <laughs> as, so I think that say. one kind of has to be the one, because they hadn't won anything yet as a franchise. What that one ordained, not only that season, but for the next 18, 20 years, that's kind of got to be it, I think. But when it's it's funny when you're when you're traveling and the Pats are on, right? It's like you you either do one of two things: you find the local Pats bar, right. Because every city's got one, yep. the local Boston bar, right? Or you find the sports book because every, every New Englander is also a bit of a degenerate. Correct. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, like, my, my, one of my favorite experiences ever was the, like, 2003 AFC Championship where Ty Law is, like, starts snowing. Ty Law picked off Peyton Manning, like, three times. I don't know if you remember this game. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, I was in a Vegas sports book nice. and bet it like three different ways. I, you know, look, I had like no money. So I, it wasn't, a, for me it was a lot, but the excitement in that place was amazing. So that's the, that's probably my favorite, most memorable, like game on TV. Nice. Watching what? Well, moment that wasn't a Super Bowl. Which championship besides the next one means the most to you or is your favorite one or has the most memory tied to it? Yeah, so I, I actually I crowdsourced this a little bit too, right? Just nice. to make sure I wasn't like the only Pats fan, the only season ticket holder, and like you know that that had this perspective. But I, I think 2001 is the like, the most important, the most memorable 2001 yeah. season. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, Pats Rams, the, you know, first the first one, the first win, I should yep. say, yep. Um, that kind of started the whole the whole thing everything about it right you're the underdog you're playing the greatest show on turf had a really close game in the right like towards the end of the regular season yeah um just like i just remember everything about it, it was awesome yeah here's the thing the, the pats have gone to the super bowl so many times that i actually had enough people i could call to be like well what do you think and they would always and every single person said 2001 season and then the one i was at when they won Right, so they right. got to see it in person, yeah. But Atlanta's got to be up there. Atlanta, Atlanta I think Atlanta. Atlanta I got to give Atlanta the the silver medal for me because you're down twenty eight to three, and yep. I was in Miami with my brother, 
both of our now wives, my cousin and his now wife. And the plan was, you know, pre-kids for all of us, if they win, we're in Miami. If they lose, we're in Miami. You know, like we were just like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go, we're not going to go to the Super Bowl, wherever it was that year. We're going to go to Miami beach. We're going to watch the game and we're going to, and the best part was we were watching the game as if, well, we're still in Miami. They're going to lose. And then they can probably win, win in overtime. And it's like, we had them all the way. (laughs) I don't know if I, if I told you this part of the story, like, you know, so my, my birthday before the, they put in the extra, it was like a bye week or they shifted the playoffs a little bit. Right. By a week, but my birthday as a kid growing up would be on the Super Bowl ah. every few years. So, so those two Super Bowls uh, that that you were talking about, like so the Malcolm Butler interception, the yeah. Atlanta uh, game, it's like me and Tim sitting on my couch <laughs> watching the games. And actually, the 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 Butler pick in that game to beat the Seahawks, like that was also an epic. That was probably just, the most stunned I've been. In my life, in that, like, wow, the only thing that could have happened to win this game happened for us. Which like, is incredible. Like, is that real? Like, is that real? Yeah, like, like we, like, like me and Tim have, have kids, and like the girls are playing, and like he and I are both like bear guys, like you know, six, six foot two, whatever. And dude, we 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 are we jump out of our seats, we're chest bumping, we're jumping in the air, we're, like. His daughter starts crying because she thought we were fighting. Correct. We were just, but we were so, we were just, like, so excited. Don't worry. Just raw emotion for a game we're not involved in directly. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. And that's, and that's what being a fan's about. You know, that's why we're doing the podcast. So, But no, that, that, that singular play, I think, might be that, – that's up there for greatest play, greatest Super Bowl play in Patriot history. I mean, it has to be. I mean, it's got to be up it there. It swung the entire outcome Super of the game. Bowl. Yeah, it yeah. swung the entire outcome of the game at the end of the game. It's – it's unreal. Which one is the one that got away? And again, for a team that's been as successful as the Patriots, they also had a lot of heartbreakers because they're always in a big game for you know a big 25-year stretch there. I have my answer, but what's, what's the game that got away? And, uh, I mean, it's got, it's, got to be, it's got to be Super Bowl 42. 100%. To that 2007 season. Right? Undefeated, 18-0. Perfect season. Yep, that has right? to be it. And, and it's in like centimeters. I, I don't even think you can measure it in inches. No, no. Right? Like in terms of the outcome of that game, that's that's got to be it. No, exactly. And it won't have to spend a lot of time on it because anytime I was talking actually to uh, our Chargers guy last night, Gary, when we recorded our Chargers pod, and I don't know how yeah. it came up, but I might not even leave it in that pod because it has nothing to do with the Chargers. But you know, <laughs> it was it was literally it was a singular effort by the four defensive linemen, and then a guy who yes. never played another NFL game. Caught a pass off his helmet. Yes. No. Yeah. Dude. He never played great. another NFL game. He caught a ball off his helmet. Or no, I'm sorry, not off his helmet. On his helmet. He caught a ball on his helmet <laughs> with his helmet. So yeah, that's the game. <laughs> that's the game. No, you called it exactly right. Like those, those, those D linemen played essentially a perfect game. Yes. Yeah. Well, but but I, I, you know, like I said, I was doing, you know, calling my buddies, trying to check in. So. So in the same way that one of my buddies has been to two winning games. Oh, two losses. The, the most painful one is my buddy that's been to two losses. And, and the thing is, he, uh, I think it was the, I, I want to say it was the second Giant, which I want to totally put out of my memory, but like the, that 2011 season yep. Giants Super Bowl loss, like 
I, I want to say that was in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think it was. And he drove oh, from Boston that's brutal. out for that game. That's brutal. And so the, the ride home that's brutal. was the most painful. Part. That is absolutely brutal. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's, and that's the risk you run going to the big game is that you get a 50% chance of going home unhappy. But so, oh my God. No, the we, flip we side is unbelievable. Like, should, should we get tickets to go to the Pats after party? Right. Or not? Right. Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Let's go to this one. Um, and we talked about this person on the pre show, too. And I'm not saying he's your answer, but celebrity fan of the team that, you're, that the fan base is especially embarrassed by and proud of to be associated with. I think there's a few options here. Yeah. Actually. And um, I did, you know, we did talk about him in the beginning because I think yeah, Mark, he's synonymous with Boston. Mark Wahlberg left 28-3 game before before it was over. Well, all right. Great call. So, yeah, Marky Mark. I mean, like, dude, this guy's gone from, you know, bad boy to altar boy, right? Like from, you know, Calvin Klein underpants to now he's a priest. Playing a priest. <laughs> you know? So, what range? Like, you know, guy's a fan. He's there. Oof, I didn't know he left during that game. That's a tough spot. Right? But he is there a lot. I got to give him that. He's there a lot. I mean, so, like, there's a lot of interesting Pats fans, too, right, that that came up as I was thinking about this one, too. Elton John? Is Elton John a Patriots fan? Elton John is a big Patriots fan. How about that? So, you know, like, it, to, you know, so uh, Pats played in the U.K., Right, develop. You know, my understanding is developed a relationship with Craft's uh, late wife. Um, you know, uh, Meyer Craft. Yeah. And like, just he became like the biggest, like a you know, huge Pats Pats fan, huge Pats supporter. The the other one I think people probably know a little bit more is like John Bon Jovi. Yes. You know, coming hanging out with Bill Belichick, coming to the games. Right, so you'll be in the stadium. You'll hear. You'll hear. Uh, you know, what is it like? Living our or living our prayer, or whatever song come pops on, and then like then you know you see him popping out of the box and you know waving and stuff like that. So he's out there and he's out and around. Yeah, he's a good. He's a good one. And also, it actually segues into my next question, which is team anthems and chants. His a very little known Bon Jovi song is the is the touchdown song for the Patriots. Right, this is our house. This is our. I mean, how do we a, feel about that song, that both as a Patriots fan and then in a vacuum, just you know, rating that song in general? Because I think well, rating that as a Bon Jovi song by itself, it's horrific. But it's, it's, it's a touchdown song for the Patriots, so you got to like it I mean, a little. Yeah, and, and I'll bring the other angle as a as a singer in a in a rock cover band who covers Bon Jovi songs is not on the list. No, it's not on the list. It's not on the list. Not even a little bit. So, but the other one that comes on a lot in the stadium is Crazy Train. Yeah, for sure. And the intro to Crazy Train pops on, and I think that actually gets people pretty fired up. I I agree. Because they run out to that, don't they? Yep. Yep. Exactly. And then then there's this, like, big thing, big things happen in the game, whatever you might hear pop back on again. Got it. And then what's the, I mean, has has Josie become another, like, unofficial sing-along anthem yeah. I feel like it has but but were you yeah, there totally. when that kind of because didn't it happen one night where like Zolak was kind of like you know into it and then everybody was kind of singing it I don't know but yeah so somehow the outfield's Josie is like a Patriots anthem now yeah so for, for for those listeners out there who don't know the song like you know go go pull it down take a listen it's what, like the outfield's like a one-hit wonder from the 80s right? yeah right I don't want to lose your love tonight 
I call it uh, I'm gonna lose your love tonight. It's in so the the story with this is you got a, a former backup quarterback, Scott Zolak, and everybody loves the backup quarterback. Right. And he's now the color and, commentator. He's he's made a career of it. He's made a career of it. So so he's on so Boston has probably, you know, the the highest ratings for sports radio in the country. Yeah. And he's on the sports radio station. He's got his, you know, midday kind of thing. He does the he does the color. And he's actually pretty good. So, you know, I give the guy some credit. Like, he's definitely trying. And, and he's a music fan. And so, yeah. So he starts to basically, Josie comes on. And he's coming out. And he's swinging a towel. And he's getting trying to get people. He's fired up. He's getting people fired up from uh, from the color box from the, for the radio broadcast. Uh I don't know when it started, but it's probably been around for like the last 10 years or so. Yeah, that's about right. I would say, right? Yeah, and it's gotten pretty big. So, But yeah, Crazy Train, I think, is the official, unofficial anthem of the Patriots that's like a good a good entrance song that actually still like it still holds up, you know? The NFL is going to start letting teams wear different helmets again, which means they can bring back old uniforms or go with new uniforms. Nice. Tint this any more than I already have, but your, <laughs> what are your favorite Pat's uniform combos? Ever. So rate it's a tough it's a tough question. It's a great question. So I love I do love the throwback uniforms. Yep. They're probably gonna come back this year. The older helmets, Pat the Patriot like the old Pat the Patriot, where you see this like Minuteman Patriot guy he looks kinda angry and tough. He's he's hiking a football. Correct. Not flying right, Elvis. Right. Yeah. Now you've got or you know, somewhere in the nineties, right? Which of course nineties style transitions over to Pat the Patriot, which is like the flying Elvis version, or just got like this Patriot head that looks like Elvis. Yes. Those Yeezys, by the way, were kind of fire because of how terrible they were. Um, <laughs> like the Ben Coates, I'm thinking like Ben Coates, Drew Bledsoe, with just two giant Elvises on their shoulder pads. and Giant, giant Elvises. And, and my buddy Wick, when we go to the games, he wears either his Chris Slade... Yes. Flying Elvis '90s jersey or his Ben Wintercoats flying Elvis jersey, and it's like they are so bad that like the size of the flying Elvis head is like just massive. It's 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 it's, it's because it was unintentional as well. It's just it's if it was an intentionally like hey we're gonna we're gonna be ironic about it. like if they brought them back this year it would be ironic and we would love it, but it wasn't ironic. It was their first. Divergence from Pat Patriot, like the old school hiking the football guy. Yep, and we yep. were like, wow, it's cool they changed their uniforms because they used to stink and they're getting better, but the uniforms are not better. And then, of course, obviously they, they dialed it back down. They went to more of a navy blue yeah. from the royal blue, and it all the worked royal out. It was not great. I would say this I mean, everybody's clamoring to see the red and white come back, but we all have to remember that was not a successful look for the franchise for the first 40 years of the franchise Ooh. history. So I think it's good to use it as like a third uni, a sparing uni. But mm-hmm. I also do think that, you know, there's a reason that they won six Super Bowls and went to nine in the, in the unis that they eventually got to. Um, so for me, for me, we can't lose that. But I do love the red and white throwbacks. And I love that we're going to see it again. I just wouldn't want to see it every week. I, I, you know, like I like the throwback, but what I, you know what I really like right now yeah. is within the last couple of years, it's kind of the the new alternate jersey. Now I think it's rolling into the regular uh, jersey. It's sort of like it's a navy blue. Oh, with the with the, with the um the stripes and the shoulder the red pads. Stripe. Yes. Yeah, man, I think that's really that's those really are sharp. sharp. Those are sharp. Yeah, 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 I agree with you. Those are sharp. 
rational or sorry, role player that the fans irrationally love over the uh, course of your time? So I think this one is Danny Woodhead. Mm, yeah, great, great answer. Right. I, I have no idea. Like, guy was fine. Right, guy was fine. <laughs> good, you know, good, good player. Um, you know, like versatile kind of back, could return some kicks, whatever. But like, maybe it's because he was like the underdog. Was he like a Division Two athlete or something? Yeah, I believe Division Two guy. F, yeah, F one, F one, or whatever. Do you, what, what do you call it? What's the other one? It's not the prime. Oh, FB, FCS. Yeah, yeah. Double, one, FBS, one, double, one, double. Yeah. And I see like Danny Woodhead's going to qualify for the U.S. Open. We have like golf clippings on Danny Woodhead. Wait, as a golfer? Good for him. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, hell of an so athlete. We. We, he, didn't, he didn't even end his career for the Patriots. No, he like, played for the Chargers, right? San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, but yet somehow he's still, like, hitting the New England newsfeed. Yeah. Well, that, that, and, and, again, he was he was only here for, like, what, four years even, if that? Yeah. So, yeah, I think and that's a great— remember Danny Wooden. That's a really good answer. Um, all right, we got a couple big ones here to wrap up. I think—all right, let's go with the Mount Rushmore. If you had to pick four people in a, in a franchise that's won six Super Bowls— and had a lot of different people even before that run who were hell, yeah. hell, hell of a great player. You know, who are you putting on the Mount Rushmore for the Patriots? The top four. This, this is a, this is a, a great question. And I, like, I did, I did ask around on this a little Might bit. Might as well. You kind of have to. There's no consensus. Mm-hmm. I was, I, you know, I was thinking about it in a few different ways, right? You want Super Bowl championships. Contributions to the organization, longevity, mm. right? Um, I I tend to skew a little more to like how much of your career was with the Pats, fair, right? Versus let's say you know maybe you make the Hall of Fame but you only had a couple, few years with the Pats, you spent more of your career with another team. Yeah, there's not a lot of examples of that, but like Randy Moss, um, maybe you know. And again, he's an all. Randy, Randy Moss, Moss probably the second example for that. Probably great the second best receiver in the history of the game, but he, he was on the team for four years, tops. To me, it, it's 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 Brady, it's Belichick, and it's Robert Kraft. Okay, are the first three. Yep. I, I think it's sort of hard to argue with those guys, given the impact they had in the organization and the longevity. The wins, to right? your point, yeah, longevity, all the things we talked about, right? And they're all NFL Hall of Famers, or you know, they should be own, right, right? For, from each of the different sections. Correct. Um, the fourth one is tough. Yeah. So I looked at I looked at Pat's. Players who are in the NFL Hall of Fame. Yeah, I tried to look at Pat's players and like who appeared in the most Super Bowls. Sure. So I got guys like Nick Bonaconti, mm-hmm. John Hanna. Yeah. Um, you know, the another player that kind of did both teams like Randy Moss. Randy Moss is one of these guys, by the way. Mike Haynes also played for the Raiders. Uh, Curtis Martin. Yeah. You know, played for the Jets too. Yeah. So, you know, you could you could argue Richard Seymour. Yep. Right, did a little bit of a split career, but Pat's guy, Big Vince, Ty Law, Ty Law, Big, right? I think Ty Law is a good candidate for that for that fourth position. Andre Tippett, yep, he, big 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 fan, big local following. Yep, I mean John right? John Hanna. I think for anybody who remembers him playing, which obviously you and I really don't, but when your best player in the history of your franchise to that point is is, a, is an offensive guard. It says everything about your franchise, but also you have to be a pretty damn good guard for people to still think that. And and so he was a great player. I think if we're going all time, you probably just throw on Hannah and feel good about it, right? Just because, like, why not? 
But I yeah, but then but then I go, but then I look at them like, but then you go back to that like the success, right? Yep, yep. And yep, then you say totally. like, all right, so Law's got it is in got to be in that mix. You know that puts Seymour in yeah. that mix for sure. Frankly, like, you know, like, frankly, Gronk obviously with they, I was gonna say Gronk. Yeah, Gronk's an all timer, and gotta be gotta and, be huge huge player in in those Super Bowl wins, and by the way, some some losses too, right? So like. Getting the team there, big part, like yeah. huge, huge. Yeah, Vinatieri, four Super Bowls with the Pats. Yeah, and he's and again, another like, another all timer. I mean, all, I think he doesn't he lead isn't he the all time leading scorer in the NFL? He is, but he also had half a career. So long, yeah, he had half a career half in Indiana, in exactly. And that's yeah. I think I, I mean I'll tell you what. And again, this one, you know, I, I think it's really interesting that a franchise that is this successful. To your point, it might. It might be a, a triumvirate because you just there's nobody else you can put into that that category it's of tough. those three guys yeah. in their respective roles. And for those of you who don't know about Robert Kraft, I mean the team was going to move to St. Louis. Um, yes, and he stepped in at the eleventh hour and saved that from happening. And then then they found a way to basically turn an old high school football stadium next to a dog track. <laughs> Into yep. an absolute billions and billions of dollar cash cow in the span so, in the span of like fifteen years at the time, and now it's just I mean, a rocket ship. Five ten years later, so he so Kraft paid the most ever for an NFL franchise from a guy named Worthwine that owned the team from from ninety two to ninety four with the intent purpose of, of moving to St. Louis, right? exactly. And and in what Kraft did, he was a he was he had, was a season ticket holder before buying the team correct. for more than twenty years, right? Correct, so correct. you got to give this guy some some you know some some kudos for you know kind of thinking that ahead. He actually bought the stadium and the stadium grounds first. You know, Super smart. So the you know he's built up that space. It, it, it's it, it's like you can actually go and interact with areas of the stadium. I mean, it's like it's a it's it's become a little bit more for the local community, which again is about thirty miles out of Bo- outside of Boston. Yeah. Uh, so you know, like here's here's one when I was looking at, at the you know the Mount Rushmore. I, I agree. I think the triumvirate the triumvirate might be the right call. On yes. This. But did you know Stephen Guskowski appeared in six Super Bowls? Pretty impressive. I mean that's pretty impressive, and yet we're we're talking about an, uh, like a whole, another kicker, <laughs> right? Well, Maybe being on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, like talk about an embarrassment of just of riches. Yeah, how about you had two kickers in a row who were like all time kickers, all time, all time, and definitely all famous, right? Like, yeah, because Gus Gus, you won at least three Super Bowls, and that's not easy to do as a kicker to make that to make the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, so to have two Hall of Fame kickers in a row. Over like what, twenty years, Whew, that's not bad. Well, what would be your take on a on a you know inside linebacker that appears in five Super Bowls? Pretty good. Who do you got, Mayo I mean, or, or uh, Teddy Teddy Bruschi? Oh, Teddy B. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I think again he, he not dominant in his position. No, but he was like a he football. was a heart and soul guy of that first three Super Bowl run, especially. Um. Honestly, if they so many things would be different, I think, with the legacy of the Patriots if they had gotten that perfect season. Um, mm. Because I think anybody on that team would, somebody on that team would rise into this fourth spot because you'd be like, well, he was the best defensive player on a perfect team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or he was the heart and soul yeah. of the defense on a perfect yep. team, and Brady's uh, already on yeah. it. And so maybe it would be him or it would be Teddy, um, you know, 
uh, nose tackle. Who are who, who, who in the oh, Vince Wilfork? Vin, Vinny, you know. sorry, Vinny. I think I had Ted Johnson in the brain, but I was trying to say Vince Wilfork. Yeah, so two, two totally Vince different Wolfark. dudes. But Vince, sure. I mean, Vince is an all-timer. I mean, so many guys are all-timers. Yep. To- yeah. And who, like, so yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I think maybe, you know, maybe my fourth. I, I was going back and forth between Gronk and Ty Law. Mm, I like them both. I like them both. And I would, you know, I would throw in one honorable mention, but, but they, he, you know, and he actually did get a ring. Um, but you can't underscore what Kraft and at the time Bill Parcells, but most importantly, Drew Bledsoe did to revive, recall. To revive football in New England. And Parcells was, was completely eclipsed by his protege, Bill Belichick. Kraft is the continuous force. And Drew Bledsoe legitimized the franchise that was about to move to St. Louis. And if it wasn't for the greatest player in the history of the game getting a chance to replace him due to injury, I think Tom Brady's good enough where he would have he would have figured it out somewhere. But yep. but that's not Drew's fault. But he did no, have a big role in saving the viability of professional football in New England at a time when it was kind of dark. And I wouldn't put him on this because of all the people we've actually already kept off, like a Gronk, mm-hmm. who's a top yep. 100 player of all time, like a yep. Ty Law. But I do think if you mean, like, who meant the most to the franchise for a really important period, you know, he probably picks up the mantle from a John Hanna as most important patriot of a non-championship era, you know? Totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. You know, number one overall draft pick, break, revives football in New England, class act. Class act. Absolutely class act. Class act. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brady gets dinged up, comes in in the clutch AFC championship yep, yep, game against absolutely. Pittsburgh, yep. winning drive, winning touchdown pass. That's right. I mean, you know, great, great pass career. But I'm glad I'm glad you sourced this. And I'm glad we talked it out because, you know, not every team's going to have a Mount Rushmore because sometimes you just don't need it, you know. And just like sometimes it really sucks to leave out the fifth guy. Sometimes you can't even get to four because there's just no clear fourth guy. And that's cool. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Cool, man. Well, hey, I think we've covered a lot. Is there any? Is there any thing that you crowdsource that we didn't get to before we go? We did. We did. You know, most despite like honestly, I think all the other stuffs at the margin. I'd rather talk about Drew Bledsoe and his impact on football in New England than like how much we dislike Nikhil Harry. That's fair. And the good news. And the good <laughs> news. Left. And the good news is he was traded for a seventh rounder, so all is well that ends well. <laughs> exactly. It's like they were offered a bag of Doritos, and, and they got it. And, and they and they said, "Is it Cool Ranch?" And they said, "Yeah, it's Cool Ranch." And they said, "Okay, fine." But I'm not taking. I'm not taking like chili lime. I don't want chili lime. I want chili. No, no chili lime. If it's Cool Ranch, we we'll take we have it. Have standards. It's better be Cool Ranch. Better be. Yeah, I love it. All right, man. Hey, stick around for a couple more minutes. We'll catch up, Tony Frangi. Coming in from the top rope and the top section of Gillette Stadium for Season Ticket Showcase, Episode 5, Season 0, his beloved New England Patriots. Tony, thanks a lot for being on tonight, man. Thanks for having me, buddy.